At Morgan Stanley, old school hard work meets bold new thinking. At 88 years old, we still see the world with the wonder of new eyes, helping you discover untapped possibilities and relentlessly working with you to make them real. Old school grit, new world ideas. Morgan Stanley. To learn more, visit morganstanley.com slash why us. Investing involves risk. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, LLC. Fast Money starts right now, live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lee. Your traders on the desk are Tim Seymour, Steve Grasso, David Seberg, and Dan Nathan. Tonight on Fast, a major shift happening in the crypto market that could have big implications for Bitcoin. Our crypto baller, BK, will uh, tell you how he's trading it. And later, call it Tech Judgment Day. Alphabet, Amazon, Facebook, over $2 trillion in total market cap. All of them will report next week, and the chartmaster says one of them is about to pull up lame. He'll be here later on. But first, we start off with another wild day from the White House with President Trump making a number of market-moving headlines on CNBC and on Twitter this morning. Our Kayla Tausch is standing by with that story. Kayla. Melissa, President Trump successfully jawboning the markets today after suggesting rates should stay lower and that the dollar's strength hurts the U.S. on trade. On Twitter, he reiterated comments that he made to CNBC that China, the EU, and others are manipulating their currencies and interest rates lower, while the U.S. is raising rates while the dollar gets stronger every day, taking away the U.S.'s big competitive edge. The president continuing to say that tightening now hurts all that we have done and that the U.S. should instead be able to recapture what it lost. His comments had the desired effect in the currency markets, sending the dollar index down nearly 1%, and as one investor put it, showing China that two can play that game. This, of course, coming after the People's Bank of China moved the midpoint rate on the yuan for the biggest one-day devaluation this week in two years, and after China's trade surplus in June touched a record. The Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin just spoke to Reuters from the G20 in Buenos Aires, saying, a strong dollar is still important for the U.S. in the long term and that he is closely monitoring yuan weakness for manipulation. Devaluation is just one of the tools that China is using to soften the blow of tariffs. China is also lowering reserve requirements for banks, freeing up capital for lending and backstopping certain debt purchases. President Trump told CNBC that he feels empowered here at home to keep up the trade fight thanks to the cushion from the stock market. This is the time. This is the time. This is the time. Is there a time when you know the expression, we're playing with the bank's money, right? We're up almost 40 percent. Although with no talks on the horizon, it appears the U.S. and China could be prepared for a protracted trade fight. International finance officials in Beijing say talk of a resolution is focused on the end of the year, Melissa, potentially after midterm elections. Kayla Mnuchin had um, said that they would issue, they would examine whether or not China is devaluing in the next uh, Treasury currency report. Any reading on when that would be released? Um, well, it is uh, usually released on an annual or semi-annual basis. In the past, the Treasury Department has declined to actually uh, list <clears throat> China as a currency manipulator in that report, as the president said on the campaign trail that he would. They do talk about volatility that is inherent in the currency market because of economies like China's that do not function uh, as market economies or capitalistic economies, but they have uh, walked just up to the line but not crossed it insofar as actually saying that China has been manipulating its currency. All right. Kayla, thank you. Kayla Tausche in Washington for us. So the president says he is playing with the bank's money, to use his terms. Uh, he's doubling down on the trade war, doubling down on the Fed. 
but the market today barely budged. Why not, Tim? Well, so if, if the pressure's on the Fed and the pressure's down on the dollar, you've taken out two major ingredients, I think, for people to be concerned. A stronger dollar is, is certainly going to be a, an issue for multinationals. It's certainly a, a flight to quality often, if that's really what it is. But less Fed equals better conditions for markets. I also think earnings, um, when, you, when you layer that on top, it's a very, very solid fundamental story. Guidance has been better than, than expected, I think, on the back of what people thought was going to be awful trade. And I think there's some trade fatigue, even though I, I am of the view that there is a lot of potential uh, detrimental follow-through from the trade discussions equals more. I think markets right now are focused on less Fed, and I think positioning right now is, is, is actually not offsides. So less Fed and a weaker dollar trumps, if you will, uh, the threat of tariffs on $505 billion worth of goods, a full-blown trade war? So I, I think that people aren't pricing in a full-blown trade war because that's not what we have just yet. People still think the <laughs> rhetoric is worse than the reality of this. But having said all that, I think earnings are a big thing. We're going moving forward. Earnings are going to be great. I don't know if they're going to be spectacular, but they're going to be just, just good enough to keep this moving forward. And I do think that China will blink, as I'm choking. I do think China will blink. So if you look at 500 compared to 130, what's that going to look like for us? We're their biggest client. So look at it that way. Don't, they're not going to be devaluating. They did that in 2015 or to the extent they did in 2015. They're not going to be selling treasuries. It hurts them just as much as it hurts us. And they're not, they don't well, they want to They, they are our want, biggest client there, aren't they? They, they don't want Well, yeah, but what are they going to do with it? I, I agree with you, Steve, and I actually think also they want to keep their currency stable, but yeah. I'll let these guys talk. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think time. they have to keep their currency stable. I think that they, they are, their, their objective right now, their long-term goal essentially, is make sure, they make sure they have, you know, they don't have a flight risk or capital leaving. I mean, coming out, financial controls are super important to them, so they start to devalue the currency. Capital is going to fly out of their system. And also you look at the, the fact that they want the yuan to be a global currency, and too much fluctuation obviously prohibits that. But I think the bigger news this week, in my opinion, is really the EU-Japan sort of structure in a free trade agreement. That's a very important thing that I think was announced and sort of overlooked by the markets. Yeah, as far as the dollar is concerned, if you look at the Dixie, the dollar index, you know, it spent the better part of 2015, 2016, right around 95. That's where we are right now. Now, what's interesting about late 2016 into 17, after Trump was elected, all these risk assets that, you know, thought that would attract capital to the U.S. because it seemed like investors globally liked this uh, transition, they all rallied, right? So the dollar made multi-year highs, uh, levels that it hadn't been. So we spent the last year going down. I mean, the Dixie went from 105 what, to 87 in April. When you think about what that means for corporate earnings, okay, so we had this declining dollar all of 2017. That is obviously a tailwind for multinationals. Now what we have is we had Q1 earnings that actually got the benefit of it, and now Q2 earnings and guidance going forward is going to be a bit mixed. I think it cancels each other out. I just don't think the dollar at 95 over the last few Nothing years means anything. anything. Well, so we went down 14%, as you talked about, from essentially the peak through 2017 to where we bottomed in January, and we took a 50% retracement right to resistance. So right. this level makes sense for me. Here's the other side of that, though. If the dollar weakens, um, I think you actually put that much more pressure on prices. I mean, we, we have been talking about inflation. Every Fed survey we hear talks about input prices. And the good thing about the stronger dollar is that was going to mitigate trade tariffs. It was going to make it tougher on the consumer, but ultimately they were going to get a little something back. But what happens if the corporate tax cut going from 35 to 21 mitigates 
any of these tariff war, uh, tariff trade concerns with the corporations because we're all what, worried what, about what, it. But what about the other way, Steve? What if it just cancels it out? You right. know, no, it could. Saying, right. You just don't get but the that's, benefits. Well, that's what I know, but, but that's what the president's saying. Saying. I know, yeah. but what I'm saying is that's what, what he's complaining about. But what's priced into the market right here, I think, is for that we start getting this tailwind of 21% corporate right. tax that's rate correct. and all the stuff that comes with it, right? The capital investment and all that sort of stuff. And that's the stuff of the guidance I think is really interesting. I think for the back half of the year, we're going to see just a lot of squishiness on that. Because yeah, but, there's but, a but lot of But that's the point, is that it does neutralize it. So I don't, I'm not arguing with you. I'm saying that's the so exact back to point. Playing with so the now what happens though, if there's a commerce. personal tax cut? Right. But now if there's more money, <laughs> Larry Kudlow sort of alluded to it. There's no there's no. Did you do me already so early on a Friday? Can we get a split screen taxes on? 2.0 coming. So where do we stand if it does if it does sort of, if we are playing with house money and we've priced in all this growth, et cetera, from tax cuts, whatnot, and then we peel some of that back because of the effects of a trade war and, and so on. Where does that leave us? Well, I think you have to go after stocks that, first of all, have been beaten up at least in the last six weeks by a stronger dollar. And you have to go after those stocks that also have attached a trade war already to their back. And I would go at the airlines, I would go at the autos, I would go at the industrials. And I would say, you know, GM, which reports on Wednesday of this week, is, is a very interesting story. I would look at the airlines, which are, are priced for an economy that's in recession. Um, I would go after those stocks that actually at least have been caught in the crossfire. Yeah, just, you know, Fang, I know everyone loves Fang. It's really hard. The steepness of these rallies over the last couple I, of months I don't. Is, uh, is just ridiculous, okay? So what I would say is I like Facebook the fact that Fang thing. rallied, no matter what the geopolitical risk, what right. the dollar was doing all, you know, over the last few years, if you get a meaningful correction at some point in Q3 and a lot of those names, and it just seems like kind of it's overdone. That's when you get back in those things. And then Apple is the other one. I know Carter's going to come on later, and he talked about maybe a retracement back to 180. If you can get Apple this summer at 180 before the refresh in the fall, what's the difference well, on that? Like, You're talking about 10 bucks on a $200 yeah, stock. Yeah, but I, mean, you know, I, mean, I don't. I think I think people invest in Apple in the long term. I think you also have this capital return know, but, story. But Tim, we, of course, you know, it's in all the time. You love Amazon here. Do I buy it here? You know, it, it makes new all time highs every day. But we've had sell-offs in all these stocks, 10, 15% over the last six months, and that's when you have to do it when everyone else wants to get out of it. Right, when they're bought. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, in, and you're going to laugh at this, Dan, the safety issue, the safety <laughs> trade of some of these not gonna do you, though. there's an understanding of their of their revenue something. growth and their earnings growth and their trajectories that those are on, and I think investors have their arms around that. So from a safety perspective, I mean, I really do think people are gravitating to the names like you put Facebook in there, the Amazons in there, Is even Facebook Google down 14%. Trade? Trade. I think if you look at Facebook numbers, Facebook Is numbers. Still at 210? Facebook numbers ratcheted up higher today by a couple different firms. I look at it and say there's confidence in their earnings growth. There's confidence in that at least going out a year or two. The, the only thing, to, to your point, is a safety trade. The only things that have rallied and continue to rally yeah. are, the, are the large cap tech names. And I think the most interesting part yeah. about this is going to be the China large cap tech. Is that going to be the one that actually is the surprise trade? Are we worried about, like, uh, about Alibaba? Are we worried about uh, No, ID? because are I do think that's going to be the biggest then? upside pop. So ahead, the man who called the decline in Netflix says another of the Fang names looks poised for a big fall when it reports next week. The Chartmaster will be here, plus Fortnite crosses the $1 billion mark, but all eyes will be on Berlin next week as a history-making tournament for another Battle Royale game gets underway. We'll be joined by the Drembroni of eSports, who will give us an inside look. We are live at the Nasdaq market site in New York City's Times Square. Much more Fast Money coming up next.
Edward Jones, who knows that just like life, financial planning isn't only about long-term goals. It's about the moments big and small along the way. And when it comes to achieving everyday financial goals, Edward Jones works hard to connect you with someone you can trust professionally and personally. That's why they created their free financial advisor matching tool to help you find a financial advisor in your community. When you take the quiz and get your matches, don't expect just a list of resumes. You'll also see each financial advisor's story and personal interests. And when it's time to meet for the first time, they'll focus on your story, asking questions to understand where you're headed and why. Because Edward Jones knows that at the end of the day, behind every financial goal is a life goal. And that's what really matters. To learn more and find your financial advisor partner, take the quiz at match.edwardjones.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. It is the most watched video game in the entire world. Fortnite hitting a big milestone this week as a battle royale game continues to dominate, beckoning players new and old to enter the arena. Julia Borson's breaking down the Fortnite hype from Los Angeles. Hi, Julia. Melissa, an epic milestone hit by Epic Games' Fortnite. One billion dollars. That's how much an in-game purchases the game has brought in since its September launch, according to Superdata Research. And that landmark number, unusually high for a game from an independent studio, is thanks in large part to Fortnite's Battle Royale mode, in which up to 100 people can play at once. In-game purchases for Fortnite growing from around $270 million in April to nearly $320 million in May, according to Superdata. The Battle Royale game mode Fortnite helped popularize has become the most popular genre by hours watched across all streaming platforms, with nearly 700 million hours of gameplay watched in May alone, with Fortnite accounting for 83% of those hours, according to Superdata. And Epic is showing it can keep innovating to keep driving demand. Fortnite viewership on Twitch dipped for the first time in June, but then rebounded in July to set new record highs, according to Macquarie, and that was thanks to Fortnite's new season of content. While Fortnite's success hasn't hurt the public game makers as many had feared, we are seeing them embrace big group play. Activision Blizzard's Call of Duty Black Ops 4 and EA's Battlefield 5 both will include Battle Royale modes when they launch in October. We'll have to see if those games start to threaten Fortnite. This year, NPD Group says sales in the all-important holiday season are more unpredictable than usual. Melissa, back over to you. All right, Julia, thank you. Julia Borson in L.A. Well, did you know that before Fortnite, there was PUBG? Of course, Mel. Yeah, no, I did. You did I not. That. Of course, I did okay. that. That's short for Player Unknowns Battleground, another battle royale game that got people hooked when it was released in March of last year. Up to 100 players are parachuted onto a map that shrinks over time, fighting each other to be the last Whoa. man standing. Whoa. Next week in Berlin, 20 of the best teams in the world will compete in the very first major PUBG international tournament with a prize pool of $2 million. Look at that dude. Our next guest is the coach of one of the teams getting their game on in Berlin next week. Michael Sassir, or Jabroni, as he's known to PUBG fans, joins us now from L.A. to give us an inside look. Michael, great to have you with us. Thank you very much for having me on. I really appreciate it. It must be a very exciting time as you're getting uh, ready for Berlin. Give, give us an idea of what your team does to prepare for that big tournament. <laughs> uh, well, to kind of put it all out there for you, we've spent probably this entire week about 12 to 16 hours a day uh, in the office playing all side by side. We've been going over VODs. We've been watching videos of old matches, trying to get info on all those other teams from around the world. There's a lot of great teams that are going to be there. So we've been preparing as much as we possibly can. 
Are you surprised about uh, the, the popularity of Fortnite? Uh, I mean, you know, everybody's heard of Fortnite. I'm not a gamer, uh, full disclosure. I'm not a gamer at all, so no. I don't play Fortnite. And I didn't know about PUBG until today. <laughs> but it seems like Fortnite is getting all the, all the attention out there. Um, yeah, Fortnite, I mean, is pretty much the most popular game there is, period, right now. And I think one of the reasons is it's actually free to play. Um, so anyone can hop on and they can just play the game if they want to, just go download it. And then on top of that, you know, they make all their money through the microtransactions, the skins and everything that they sell in the game. Um, it's a little different to PUBG. PUBG is a little more realistic. Uh, it's a little more intense, a little more military style. And then Fortnite, a little more cartoony, kind of more for the casual player. So that's why it's opened up so many people who weren't in the games before. They're now playing. You know, our reporter in Los Angeles, Michael, was telling us about how these major video game companies, the publicly traded ones, are going to launch Battle Royale modes come this fall. Um, will that attract gamers like you, or is that just too amateur hour for you? Um, I mean, I'm definitely PUBG through and through right now, 100%. <laughs> I think that's the top tier uh, Battle Royale at the moment. I'm sure Battlefield uh, and Call of Duty, who are both likely going to have these Battle Royale modes, I will definitely play them, and I'm sure they'll be fun. Uh, but I think PUBG is definitely the one to stick with for now, and I think it's the one, for me, looking forward, is going to have the most growth. So, Michael, you just you just said it. Call of Duty, do you find it? I look at this as a zero-sum game. Do you find yourself playing Call of Duty less, and do you think that others are playing less since Fortnite is such a big entity in the gaming world? Eventually, that's got to take a piece of the pie from uh, an Activision with a Call of Duty. Um, yeah, I think it's one of those things. It's just competition. That's just what it is when it comes to games. If your game's good and it's enjoyable, people will play it. If your game's not good and it feels repetitive, people aren't going to play it. And that's why Battle Royales have done so well. You can't go into a Battle Royale with 99 other random players and have the same game twice. It's just never going to happen. It's not possible. So every single time that you're playing, it's a brand new experience time and time again. And as they update the game in Fortnite and PUBG, they both come out with all this new stuff. I mean, there's just endless hours of game time available. You know, Michael, we mentioned the prize pool, $2 million. That's a, that's a lot of Damn. money. Um, wow. At the same time, are there, are there sponsorships on the line? I mean, sort of walk us through how you see this playing out for you in terms of the money-making um, side I of mean, it. yeah, we're with Ghost Gaming, obviously, is the team. We're one of three North American teams that qualified for Berlin. Uh, pretty much our goal there is just to win, and that's just the end-all, be-all of it. We want first place. We uh, finished second in North America at the qualifier um, but for us, it's all about winning. And then the opportunities that arise after that, I'm sure there will be plenty uh, for the, myself and the rest of the team. Michael, it's great speaking with you. Best of luck in Berlin. Good luck and be safe. Thank you very much. Michael Sassir, or Jabroni, as he's known on the circuit. So you know what was amazing? We did this segment on, on Paralynch about Fortnite. The publicly traded video game companies over the past three months, each of them were up by at least 20%. So there hasn't been, and they've already given second quarter guidance, so no impact from Fortnite. Is it passed? Is the danger passed? Well, I think you said it earlier in that segment. You said they're going to be uh, introducing their own battle royale things. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, listen, you know, an EA is a $45 billion name. It's one of the names that we kicked around when we think about all these media companies and the sort of content that they want. It seems pretty logical, except for the fact these are getting to massive, massive price tags right now. EA with a $45 yeah, billion market cap. I don't think 30 times and take two at 30 times. I don't think these numbers are extraordinary considering the growth. And, yeah. you know, then there's the peripheral plays. I mean, Microsoft yesterday had great earnings, but 39% growth in gaming yeah. and save the world on on Fortnite is all on windows so this is really big and tencent to me is the world's biggest gaming company so right. there's ways to play this where you don't have to chase valuations but i still think they're going higher
right. Still ahead, the crypto is having a stellar week as Bitcoin rallied 20%, plus some under-the-radar moves happening in the space. We will explain next. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC, first in business worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. It's a good time for the great taste of McDonald's. Except as of late, shares have faltered. And there's something in the charts that suggests even more pain for the Golden Arches. Plus... That's one small step for man. And the traders have four stocks that they say will soon go to the moon. Those names when Fast Money returns. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got a Bitcoin alert for you. Take a look at the cryptos. Stellar topping Litecoin to become the sixth largest coin based on market cap. Bitcoin, Ethereum, Ripple, Bitcoin Cash, and EOS remain the other top coins. All while Bitcoin sees massive gains this week, rallying more than 20% on pace for its best week since early April. Well, all this bullish news in the yeah. space makes me wish our crypto baller BK were oh, here. Oh, where is he? Oh, oh, wait, what's that sound? I don't know. Is that Mr. BK's neighborhood trolley? <laughs> Why, yes, it is. Even though BK isn't here with us today, he sent us a message about Stellar. Oh, how nice. Ooh. And here it comes. He says, Stellar is both a currency and a platform, so it makes sense that it is more valuable than Litecoin. The partnership with IBM is very interesting and could add even more value as they build more products on the Stellar platform. Wow. It's a beautiful day in Mr. BK's neighborhood. So, Tim, what question would you have for BK if he were here? Well, if BK was here, not in his neighborhood, I'd say, BK, you know, what is the impact of the currency war on Bitcoin and its rally this week? Oh, is that oh. BK's neighborhood trolley again? He must be sending us another message. OK, here he goes. BK says... <laughs> The character of the market appears to have changed. For most of this year, every rally was met with aggressive selling. That has changed over the last two weeks. The potential for a currency war could be a tailwind for Bitcoin going forward. How about that? Right, there you go. I mean, Tim. you asked BK, BK in his neighborhood. He comes back with a trolley. Wow, that was That's quick. why we love the man. Quick response. I, I like mean, that. Impressive. I'm not sure where he is. Ding, ding. Little ding, yeah. Ding, ding. It says more about our I, producer, Max Myers, who's trapped in the 70s, all these games. And well, stuff. everybody I, knows just that. Just saying, everybody everybody who knows, why, who knows why, that. Why you come at Mr. Rogers? You're basically coming at Mr. Rogers, who's an institution. coming at Mr. Myers, actually. All right. So we had a really interesting conversation when BK was in our neighborhood the other day about this rally a little bit. Well, we did. Nice segue. So it's really interesting. You talked about what changed this week. So we're up 25 percent um, from the lows in Q2. We had a 58 percent rally off of the lows in Q1. We had a 100 percent rally. They all made lower lows. So you got to go back and look at those lows from a couple weeks ago. They really have to hold there. They're going to round trip the entire move. So to me, I don't know how What's you that can, level. 
uh, I think it's back to 5,000, which was literally the late October 2017 breakout. And then we had that parabolic run from 5,000 to 20,000, and then obviously retraced 70% of it into January, February, that sort of thing. That's just technicals. Where are you trading? I like Stel- I mean, Stellar. We you know, they mentioned Stellar a little bit earlier. I think Stellar is really interesting. I think the, you know, it's founded by the people that were XR- founded XRP, Ripple. I think that there could be a capital flight from XRP into Stellar, given the fact that Stellar coin is actually you know, a transaction-based coin, which I think is much more important. You have to actually utilize the coin. You make a All right. Well, speaking of going to the moon. Yeah, let's do that. Did you know it was 49 years ago today when Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin became the first men to step foot on the Heroes. moon? In tribute to that historic moment, our traders are bringing you the stocks they think are out of this world. So, Tim, kick it off. Yeah, I think they're driving an Oldsmobile. GM reports this week. I think <laughs> this one's going to the moon. Look at you in that outfit. Yeah, look good in space suit. Square has been meteoric, and it still has oh, a lot nice. of flight left in it. Square. Listen to you. 32. Uh, Google, Alphabet, I'm a buyer ahead of earnings on uh, Monday morning. I think core margins are going to be great. Yeah, I, th- I think American Express is going to finally break out and go to the moon. All right, that does it for us here on Fast. Don't go anywhere. Auction's action is up right after this <laughs> break. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts.